Welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Hello listeners and welcome to another Arcade Attack podcast. Adrian here and on today's show I've got a real treat for you. I've had the ultimate pleasure of interviewing a real retro gaming legend, David Brevik. You'll know him as the main man behind Diablo. He also started Blizzard North, worked at Iguana Entertainment and is now working on a really interesting, I would say a spiritual successor even, to uh, Diablo called It Lurks Below. So guys, really, really enjoy this interview. David, it's a real pleasure to talk to. I know you're going to enjoy it. Davis, thank you so much for coming on the Arcade Attack podcast. It really is a proper honour to have you here. You know, you've you've been involved in so many of my favourite games growing up. A huge legend, and I, I know you're a busy man. So, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Right, I'd like to start off from the early days. How did you get the opportunity to enter the video game industry? And do you remember the first ever game you, you worked on? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well. Um... I, I guess I, I, I mean I, all, I, all I ever wanted to do growing up is I, I wanted to make video games. I yeah. I love video games, playing video games. I uh, you know my my first system was Pong, uh, and uh, and once I got an Atari twenty six hundred, you know, like that was it was kind of a life changer for me, and uh, and I got more and more into programming and playing games and making my own games and uh, that kind of continued all through high school and and I knew that that's what I wanted to do but there weren't really any degrees or anything yeah. you know for for that at the time and my parents were a little bit worried about me as with a video game career <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they said why don't you go to, to to college and get a degree in computer science and uh then you'll have something to fall back on when that doesn't work out. Yeah. And, uh, uh, the, uh, so I went to school and I got my computer science degree and came out of school and immediately wanted to go, uh, work in video games and, and, and answered an ad in the newspaper, which is, you know, what we did back mm. before the internet. And, uh, to find jobs. And, uh, so I went and interviewed in San Francisco at this place, uh, called FM Waves. And, uh, they were a clip art company and, uh, the clip art wasn't going very well. So they had a bunch of artists, but they, uh, got a contract to do a, a game. And so, uh, they needed a programmer. And 
hired me as the programmer, and we started working on this Atari Lynx game uh-huh. called Gordo 106, the mut- muted, Mutated Lab Monkey. <laughs> I haven't heard of it, I'm afraid, sorry. Uh, actually, it's strange. It, it, I, it, it's rare. You never really hear about this yeah. game. Uh, but recently, there's been some kind of weird, I don't know, self twist I mean, these people are, I don't know why they're, they're fascinated with this game, but it, cause it's really bad, but they, uh, you know, they want it. They want to, they've been like speed running it and stuff. This, oh, wow. this, <laughs> this terrible, <laughs> nearly unplayable platformer, uh, called Gordo 106. So, um, and I just got a tweet the other day from somebody saying, Oh, they're going to, they're going to run it for this. They're going to do a speed run of it for <laughs> some charity event or something like that. So like it, 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 it's, it's crazy how they, how they, they find these old games and they, and they kind of fall in love with them. I'm not really sure why. Yeah. Anyway, I, I worked on that game for just a short while, but, uh, it was kind of, it was a great introduction to the video game industry for a lot of reasons. Um, but, uh, the biggest reason was that my paychecks started bouncing and, uh, uh <laughs> and, uh, and the company was going out of business. So here it was a real introduction not to the video game industry, not only because it was the first thing that I was working on, but also, uh, you know, the instability of the, the video game industry really came to light instantly yeah. for me. And, uh, and so I left and, uh, and then went and worked at a, uh, company called Iguana Entertainment. Yeah. So, that, that my first experience was working on this, this Gordo 106 mutated lab monkey. I, I didn't finish the project. I, um, started all the coding and then I left, you know, after like four months or five months. Um, oh. and, uh, so that, but that, that game, some a different program, programmer came in and they finished the title. Yeah. And, uh, and it did get published on the links and eventually got published on the, on the Super Nintendo as well, I believe. Oh, nice. How would you be with speed running on that game? Do you reckon you could give you, give your fans a run for their money, do you think? Oh, no way. No, <laughs> I mean, I haven't played that thing in so long. I, I have no idea how I, how to even play it anymore. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, this is a game from what, uh, like 19, 1990, 1991, somewhere wow. right in there. So it's a, <laughs> it's an old one. That's for sure. And I haven't, I haven't played it since then, whatever, 30 years almost. Brilliant. Um, Iguana Entertainment. I mean, that they are a big, a big company. They, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would probably say the biggest title maybe was Era the Acrobat. Um, how, how did you get the opportunity to work there then? And what was, was it a lot different from your previous company? And how do you reflect back on that particular company in your career? Yeah. Well, Iguana, I mean, really what their biggest, they're most known for is NBA Jam. Oh, sorry. But, yeah. You're back. Yeah. Of course. Uh, the, uh, and I worked on that just slightly, um, before they left, before I left. But, uh, that was a really great time for me in a, in a, in a real incredible time in the video game industry. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because this was right around the time of Doom and, uh, and this, and I was working on doing Sega Genesis stuff. I had, you know, gone from, this company that was, you know, FM waves that was kind of falling apart and then come to Iguana and they had a lot more stability and sort of, but they, they kind of had their, their job opportunity there was not that great. The first thing I was doing was I was converting an arcade machine uh, called super high impact football, which mm-hmm. is a American football 
kind of like NBA Jam, but oh, yeah, for yeah. football. And uh, and they and he said, "Well, I got a job for you, but it's not going to be easy. You have you have three months to finish the project mm. by yourself, and you're converting an arcade machine to <laughs> to the Genesis." Um, and I did it, and uh, I, I was about a month in, and I was like, kind of like taking my time with it or whatever. And I wasn't really that stressed about it. And, and, uh, and the president of the company, this guy named Jeff Spangberg, he, um, he said, you know, what, what do you want to do here? What do you want to do with your career? Because this is a great opportunity for you, but you know, you don't seem to be wor- caring about it that much. <laughs> well, and, uh, <laughs> And he was kind of right. I was just like, you know, I was kind of, it was, it was a job. It wasn't a passion project or mm. anything like that. And, uh, but I realized then that, you know, if I'm going to take making video games seriously, then this is an important thing to start taking care seriously and mm. starting and putting in a little extra effort. And, oh, and I so. did, and I finished the project in three months and, uh, and it was published by Acclaim Entertainment and Acclaim was so, excited and impressed that we had finished this conversion uh on time and on budget uh you know and the other company that was doing the super nintendo version like they they had barely even gotten anywhere and so uh anyway they were super impressed with us and they gave us a bunch more work including eventually uh nba jam um so, but, uh, after I had done the super high impact football, then we started working on a couple other things, including arrow, the acrobat. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that was really like my first project that, um, that we had much more creativity in, you know, th- mm-hmm. this was a, that, that I was involved with, you know, all along. Um, so I think that, uh, that, that feels more like, you know, quote unquote, my first game than, yeah. than, than other games. It, it was a big title, wasn't it? And, um, there was a lot of platformers at the time, obviously. Um, how do you, do you, what do you think of Arrow the Acrobat? How do you reflect back on him as a character? And how do you, what, what's your views in the game looking back now? Um, well, I, I, you know, I learned a lot, uh, working on the product. Um, uh, I, I think that, you know, I'm, I remember it pretty fondly. Yeah. Uh, I also remember that one of the biggest things I learned is that you can become an expert at your own game. <laughs> <laughs> and so we made it really, really hard because we were used to playing it over and over and over again. We kept making it harder, yeah. harder and harder. And then eventually, you know, we were experts at the game and we could do all this stuff, but you know, other people played it for the first time. Like, Oh my yeah. God, this is so hard. It is a tough so, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, anyway, it was, it was good learning experience. Uh, you know, we worked close with the, the kind of the brainchild. Uh, th- this was a brainchild of a person named David Siller who mm. worked at Sunsoft, it, this idea for this acrobatic, uh, you know, bat that mm. was the, for the platform. And we worked together coming up with moves and kind of like uh concept stuff or whatever. Mm. And then I worked close with uh designers and programmers at and artists and stuff at uh at Iguana to work together as it was like my first involvement on a team mm. really uh that uh, cuz all the other stuff that I had done was 
uh, you know, that I'd finished was the, it was by myself. So, uh, it was an interesting experience, not only because I worked as, on a, you know, on a team project, but also kind of working on this new, uh, you know, there was nothing to convert or nothing to, yes. nothing to base it on or whatever. And, uh, so it, it was, it was a great experience. I really loved it. I think that the game's still pretty popular, which mm. is also incredible. And, uh, and there, you know, a lot of people talk about uh, their fond memories with that with that game. No, yeah, I totally agree. Um, obviously, there's lots of now reboots and relaunches of the platform characters. Like I'm thinking, Crash Bandicoot, Sonic Mania. Would you ever? Do you think there's a, a space now for a new era of the Acrobat? I think it'll be a, it's third installment. I think it, there was two games, wasn't there, in the series? Would Would you ever like to see Era come back? And would it ever be a project you'd ever take on personally? Uh, I honestly, I've never even thought about it. Right. Uh, it, you know, I think that the rights for it are like a little bit screwed up because I believe that they were with this now defunct company Sunsoft. Now mm. who owns the rights now? I'm not really sure. You know, I'm sure that they got bought by somebody. Uh, so uh, who that, that would be a tangled mess, but sure. I'd love to see more arrow, the acrobat stuff and I'd be involved, but I don't think that it would make it like my main project, I yeah. would be happy to, you know, to consult or do some design consulting or whatever for it. Uh, that, that would be fine, but it will never, I'm never going to go back to platformers. It's just not really my bread and butter anymore. Yeah, of course you've, you, you moved on. I, I, I take that. I can't believe I forgot NBA jam for Iguana. Um, did you say you worked on that game a little bit? I did just, just briefly, uh, it kind of the big, the beginning, you know, a couple months of the project. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, the company moved from the San Francisco Bay Area down to uh, Austin, Texas, yep. and I didn't want to move to Austin, Texas, so uh, I left the company at that time and and started uh, my own development company with a couple of the artists that I had met at uh, at FM Waves and uh, got contracts from David Siller to do a, a Sunsoft title uh, because I had just done the Arrow Acrobat stuff and yeah. I got a, another contract to do uh, some quarterback club uh, games, some, uh, you know, sports video games from uh, Acclaim because I had done the mm. super high impact football for them. It was at the start of Blizzard North then? That... It was. Wow. I mean, absolutely incredible. I, was it was it sad to leave uh, Iguana Entertainment? Do you mind me ask mind me asking why you left? And did you always have in the back of your mind to start your own company? Was that always a massive ambition for you? Uh no, it wasn't a vision of me uh, of mine to start my own company. But you know, I was <laughs> young and naive, so <laughs> I figured why not. Uh, but yeah, it was it was tough to leave to to leave Iguana. I'm and. For probably two years after that, I, I was like not even quite sure I had made the right decision. Wow! Because um, Iguana really flourished after they uh, they had um, uh, you know NBA Jam turned out you know was a was a big hit for them and uh, and they were doing really well and they had nice houses and were <laughs> making good money and things like that in in Texas and I was like. Man, I don't know if I've made the right decision here. Uh, you know, in the end, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I think I did. But the uh, but uh, at the time, for a while, I was it was really tough. I, I was I was quite sure that I had I had made a bad bad choice. Wow. I mean, I suppose you don't. It's no no point looking back in the past. But could you imagine how 
not just your life, but the gaming industry could be different if you didn't leave Iguana, if you stayed there. It could be a completely different yeah. landscape. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it would have been totally different. Absolutely amazing. I mean, I think it's, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's quite easy now to say that Blizzard North, huge company, rightly regarded as one of the biggest and most important game developers of all time. But when it, when you first started the company, I don't suppose it was quite that easy. It didn't just click and it was, um, churning out gold straight away. So how was the earlier years in Blizzard North? You made a few little hints there. It wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, it was, it was difficult. I mean, we were doing work for hire stuff, mm. right? You know, so it was, uh, it, we were doing this Game Boy and Game Gear, uh, uh, handheld football games for acclaim. And we did, uh, uh, a, a superhero fighting game, uh, on the uh, kind of a street fighter superhero game, uh, on the, on the, uh, Genesis. And so like the, we were doing these things to kind of pay the bills and, and bide our time and hopefully get an opportunity to work on a project of our own. And we would, uh, go and, pitch we'd have we we like printed out and uh they were in little folders like you would hand in a book report kind of thing uh like three or four ideas that we had we would go to trade shows and we would pass them out meet with publishers and pass them out and try and get some of our you know dream titles Mm. created and we got rejection after rejection after rejection. So wow. uh, it was tough. It was tough going at, at first, you know, and then I'm, you know, we're barely making ends meet, you know, barely paying the bills and, and, uh, and, uh, the company is, you know, kind of small and struggling and, and, and whatnot. And then, you know, Iguana's making good <laughs> money with NBA Jam. It's like, woo, guy, I don't know. I don't know if we're doing this right. But, uh, you know, that all kind of changed once, uh, once, uh, we, we met Silicon and Synapse. Yep. Yeah, of course. Um, I'll talk about it. I mean, there's probably a few listeners now that, that are not familiar with the difference of Blizzard North and Blizzard Entertainment. Um, how were you exactly involved in these two companies and how, how would you describe how they're interconnected as well? Uh, well, they were, uh, two development companies. Yeah. Uh, they were doing titles, uh, you know, some original titles and some work for higher stuff, or at least Blizzard Entertainment wasn't, Blizzard Entertainment wasn't called Blizzard Ar- Entertainment at first. It was called Silicon and Synapse. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so they, which by the way, was just a terrible name. <laughs> it was, and, wasn't it? Uh, uh, and so they, um, uh, they were, uh, we were working on this, like I had said, we were working on this title for Sunsoft as Condor mm. was the name of our development company. And, uh, and we, we were working on this Street Fighter game on the Genesis and we show up at, at E3, which is, uh, this was, uh, I'm sorry, we showed up at CES. Mm. This was before E3 even existed. Mm. Uh, and we would go to the consumer electronic show, which is a big electronic show here in the U S yeah. but we would be like, it was all electronics. It was car stereos and refrigerators and <laughs> like, like any kind of, you know, any kind of electronic device, televisions and things like that. And then we were, the video games was one section of this gigantic show. And, uh, 
And so we would, you know, we would sit up our booths next to the car stereos and get blasted out. That was funny. That was, we would get blasted out. The video games would get blasted out by the stereos, but the, uh, um, so we show up at the, at the consumer electronics show and we're going to show off our, our, um, our Genesis street, uh, our Genesis title. It's called justice league task force Yeah, is the name of this, uh, this game. And we show up and lo and behold, there is, a Super Nintendo version of the game as well being done by a different developer. Oh, nice. And so the company Sunsoft had hired us, had, had like they, when they, when they said, Oh, we've got this list of games that you want, which games do you want? You know, there's three or four titles. Hmm. They tried to convince us to do the Aerosmith game, but I wasn't having it. <laughs> I wanted to have the, the, the DC fighting game. Of course. Yeah. And, uh, and so, are you sure? Are you sure? And so eventually we got it and we got the Genesis version. We wanted both. Uh, and they said, no, we're only going to make this Genesis version. Mm. And then we show up at the show and they had promised the Super Nintendo version to a different developer. Oh, wow. That's when it happened. And, and so, uh, and so we show up and we didn't know that there was anybody was making a different version of it. Mm. We never talked. We didn't know that it existed. <laughs> it was very weird. Wow. Uh, and the games were strangely similar, yeah, wow, which yeah. was really weird. <laughs> and, uh, like even the art was a little bit similar and a few of the screens and stuff, you know, it was like, I mean, it was really strange that yeah. when they were, they were like this. And so we really got to kind of know these guys and started, uh, you know, getting to know them better. And they said, Oh, we also, we, uh, we are working on our first PC title because that's, we, we love PC games and we're going to make, yep. you know, we want to make, that's what we want to do eventually. And, uh, so would you want to see the PC game? I said, sure. Yeah. That, we love PC games too. That's what we want to do. We're pitching PC games to everybody kind of thing. That, and, uh, you know, we've got some that we're, we're pitching, et cetera, but I'd love to see yours. And, uh, so we went and looked at it and it looked really great. It was, it turns out to be Warcraft one. Oh, wow. uh, and, uh, and it was really impressive. And so we said, Oh, well, you know, let's keep in touch or whatever. And, uh, and I hope it goes well for you. And then later kind of in the fall, uh, that was kind of like springtime, maybe early summer. And then later in the fall, as it got closer to Christmas, we saw some preview in a magazine or something like that. And I called up Alan and I said, Oh, uh, he goes, Oh yeah, we got bought and we changed our name to Blizzard <laughs> and, uh, we're finishing up Warcraft one. I said, well, you know, some of the guys here, they would love to play it and beta test for you mm. if you need any testing. He's like, yeah, sure. I'll send you some, uh, build or whatever. And so we got to play and, uh, and as we got to talking, I said, you know, and he goes, Oh, so we sold our company. We're called Blizzard now. And we're working for Davidson and Associates, which is this, uh, educational company, educational, uh, gaming company. Uh, but they were kind of at the time, like the number one educational gaming company in the world. And they, they were kind of diversifying. They were going to start breaking into regular entertainment, uh, regular game entertainment rather than educational. Yeah. And, uh, and so they started with this Silicon Synapse developer who had won 
uh, awards for their rock and roll racing game. Yeah, yeah, okay. And, uh, and uh, so they said, oh, well, you know, we're going to acquire these guys and we're going to start making regular entertainment. And so as I was talking to Alan, he said, and we're looking for other developers to make titles for this, you know, label or whatever. And I said, well, we got a great video game, a great PC game idea. Uh, he said, okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll listen to, you know, you can pitch us. Yep. After we're done with Warcraft 1, you can, we'll come up there in January and you can pitch us. And, uh, and so they came up after Warcraft one and, uh, and we pitched them Diablo. Wow. <laughs> and the rest is history, I suppose. I mean, yeah, yeah. Wow. In a lot of ways. I mean, it, 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 it they, they loved it, you know, and yeah. we, we, we had already been kind of gelling with these guys anyway. Mm. And, uh, and we had a lot of the same philosophies and, and a lot of same kind of game design instincts and, and whatnot. And, uh, and so, you know, they were really excited by the idea. And so, uh, and it was, you know, my dream idea that I'd been working on for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so they, uh, that we signed the contract to, to do that. I think in like February time frame, somewhere right in there, like within a month or two of the, uh, of, of that meeting, uh, mm. which it went really well and they were super impressed and they loved the idea. And, uh, and so, you know, it was, it was kind of quick from there. And then we began development probably, mm. like I said, within, a, within about six weeks, I think we started, started development on Diablo after that. I mean, I don't want to downplay your, your hard work. Um, but I suppose when you when you met the other company making the DC fighting game, it could have been so different if they didn't turn up or they were you know they weren't making the game. How crazy is that when you think about it? <laughs> I know it's really crazy. I mean, the whole thing is pretty crazy. The fact that I, that I started that I met the, these two artists mm. at at, at the two artists are Max and Eric Schaefer and myself. Yeah. The three of us started Condor. That I met them at this FM Waves company mm. making Bordo, and they like they <laughs> they weren't you know they weren't even they were just artists making clip art right you know yeah, so they, yeah. <laughs> and you know what are the odds of me meeting them and then for me to leave iguana and yeah. stay here and like the reason they left iguana left was because the owner got married and his wife was from texas and wow. so they were moving back home kind of thing and then <laughs> Uh, you know, if he didn't get married or hadn't met that person or like, you know, all these kind of weird coincidences that kind of fell in line to get us to the yeah. end game. Cause we, at the time, RPGs, this is a strange statement, but it was very true. RPGs were dead mm. at the time. Uh, uh, yeah. And we had, we had a really difficult time, uh, proposing Diablo to different companies because the very first thing that everybody would say are RPGs are dead, meaning <laughs> like they just aren't selling. Mm. Nobody wants them anymore. They're, they're just, they're too, too small of a market for us to even bother. And, mm. uh, and so we got Diablo directed probably 20 plus times before, uh, before Blizzard goes, yes, this is exactly what we're <laughs> looking for. <laughs> wow. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I think that, uh, we felt fortunate that somebody believed in the RPG market and, uh, 
and it was, uh, you know, that, you know, that, that afforded us the opportunity to start working on my, my dream product. I'll talk about it a bit more in a minute. Um, really quickly, a bit of a cheeky question. Who do you think made the best DC Justice League fighting game out of the two? The Genesis or SNES version? <laughs> uh, you know, I think that I, this sounds like a politically correct answer, but I think <laughs> that in, in all fairness, that both of them were good in their own ways. They yeah. both had flaws and they were both excelled at different things. I think that they're like, I think that our tactile feel of the moment to moment punching and kicking was mm. better, but I thought that their special moves were better. Right. So, uh, and I think that maybe that they're, because the Super Nintendo I thought had better graphics than the Genesis. And I think yeah. that they're, that some of their, their art style, their artwork looked a little better on the TV screen just because it projected better from the SNES. Nice. Um, next quick question Condor to Blizzard North. How did you come up with the original name for Condor and why did you change the name? Was it any, was it well, between the same two? reason that, uh, you know, Silicon and Synapse changed their name to Blizzard because it wasn't that great of a name. <laughs> but the, uh, uh, we had came up with Condor when, when I was working at, at FM waves making mm. Gordo with Max and Eric, we would like dream about, you know, not working there because <laughs> yeah, yeah. we could tell that things were not going very well. Right. You know, that we, we were probably going to need new jobs <laughs> pretty soon. And, uh, and, uh, and all I could keep thinking in my head at the time was like, my parents were right. I'm going to need this computer science degree for, yeah. for something besides <laughs> games or whatever. But the, uh, but we would, it, w- this was our code word for let's talk about uh, you know, work possibilities outside of work or at lunch or whatever. Hey, I've got, I got some, you know, project condor stuff to, <laughs> yeah. to talk about <laughs> and uh and so we use this kind of as a code word for uh talking about you know leaving that company yeah and uh and so uh th- that's when we made the development company and we're just like let's just i think all of us had different different choices we kind of voted the three of us voted on on the name mm. and every single person had a different number one choice but all three of us chose yeah. condor number two <laughs> so so it won democracy uh, won yeah <laughs> on, on a point-based system that it ended up winning yeah so uh that that's where the name condor came from and then when we sold the company which was about a year in about a year into the development of mm. diablo one um about yeah, it was a little over a year into the development. We uh, we sold the company. When we sold the company, we became Blizzard North. Yeah, because uh, uh, they wanted to kind of keep the Blizzard moniker and label, and we wanted to as well because they had had success with yeah. Warcraft One and Warcraft Two, and it's like yeah, we'll just you know that that label seems to be gaining momentum. Yeah. Nobody knows Condor. It's not like we're really married to this this name anyway. Uh, so, yeah, let's go ahead and change it to Blizzard North. Nice. That makes sense. And the North comes from because we were in Northern California versus ah. uh, uh, Blizzard Entertainment was down in Southern California. Oh, excellent. Um, when did you first have an inkling, even if it was like a little idea for Diablo, even if you didn't have a name in your head, when did you first have a, a dream project in your head? Was it like a, a eureka moment? Uh, how, explain how... What inspired you initially with Diablo? Well, originally, uh, the Ultima games inspired me uh, Ultima, probably yeah. the most. Um, and maybe a little of like, um, 
Wizardry uh, and Ultima, the, those kind of games, those, those games really were the m- biggest inspiration. Mm. I started designing Diablo uh, when I was in high school, when I was about 16 or so, uh, and, and uh, started writing down all these ideas on how to create a role-playing game. And then it got heavily influenced when I, I went to college in the mid eighties and started playing roguelikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, uh, they're, you know, they're called roguelikes because they come from a game called Rogue. And I started playing Rogue and I loved <laughs> this game. <laughs> and, uh, and it was, you know, you're the, the at character and you're, uh, fighting the letter K and things like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, the graphics were all just kind of ASCII letters and, uh, but I loved the games and I played quite a few hours of that, uh, at the university in the computer lab on the, on the Unix machines. And then, uh, the, uh, you know, there were other kind of versions of this game that became popular and I was a big Tolkien fan and, and, and oh, I want Lord of the Rings. And mm-hmm. so I started playing Moria and Angband uh, and uh, just kind of take me back to that. And uh, and that's really uh, the inspiration for Diablo comes from those games and the influence. And then eventually when we were pitching new game ideas uh, as you know, the three of us, Max, Eric, and myself, the three of us were like, okay, what kind of game do we want to make? And I said, well, I've always wanted to make an RPG mm-hmm. and this is the idea behind it. And these are the games that I played in college. And I think that we could do an updated version of those games with really cool graphics and, yeah. and, uh, and, and, but still kind of keep the, the, you know, the ran the cool parts of it, which were like all this randomness associated with it. And you play the game over and over again, and it's never the same game twice and all that stuff. And I got a great name for it. Uh, and it's called Diablo. Yeah. And the, the name Diablo comes from when I was in high school, I was going to, uh, going to a high school right at the base of a mountain called Mount Diablo. Wow. Uh, here in the San Francisco Bay Area. So the, the name came, like, I didn't know, I didn't speak any Spanish when I moved <laughs> to California. And when I, and so I was going to school there. And then I, when I found out what the name meant, I'm like, oh, I like that name. I'm going to use that in a game someday. So they, the pitch was always called Diablo. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the, the game concept originated in high school, but kind of morphed quite a bit, especially, when I was in college, uh, playing all of those roguelike games and, uh, and then, uh, and then the pitch was basically in, in a, you know, modern day version of a rogue game. Oh, it must be so good to look back and think your little, well, not, not a little, but your little, your ideas back then, you turned into such a huge, uh, yeah. not, not just a game that you love, that so many people love. It was a critical and commercial major success you must pinch yourself sometimes oh god yeah it's incredible to me that we i mean it's weird because there just were not as many games then uh that's also a big factor but it's it's weird to me that i was involved in such a gigantic project it's still a little surreal you know it's even though i was part of it and i you know it was an incredible time in my life and i loved every minute of it still it like sometimes you just can't explain 
how things happen. You know, the, the, again, like so many, so many things had to line up for it to even exist and then for it to exist in the way that we made our decisions. And like originally Diablo was a turn-based game, right? Oh. And cause the roguelikes were turn-based and then to decide to make it real time is, you know, a, a giant yeah. change. And then it was single player until six months before we shipped and we invented Battle.net and <laughs> made it multiplayer. Like, yeah. you know, there are incredible things that happened during the development of the product that made it so different than the way it started out to be. But they were all great decisions. Yeah, no, I can't deny that at all. Um, why do you, why do you think it struck such a chord? You said earlier that RPGs weren't really the in thing. But obviously, it struck a chord with gamers. Why do you why do you think it was so? It, it was met with such huge sort of you know success. Well, one I think that largely uh, RPGs have become there were there were two big differences. One is that RPGs mainly focused on party play. Hmm. So uh, you were like one of six characters, and so they were kind of turn based and yeah. slow and plotting and there were like hints of real-time games that were like that uh that like a eye of the beholder which was semi real-time kind of thing and uh and so there were uh even though they were still party-based uh it was it was having all of these characters and the kind of the maintenance with all these characters started to turn people off it was like it was it was it was pretty laborious to go through and make all the, you know, I've got to move this particular weapon from this character to this character. And I got to say, you know, it was just yeah. like, it was six times the amount of work or whatever, you yeah. know? And, uh, and so it just became kind of this, it, it, you know, the party makeups were all the same. It's like, I've got my tank, I've got my healer, I've got my wizard, I got my, you know, rogue, I've got the, you know, the, and so there was really no variety to it as well as that. Um, it just became difficult and kind of tedious to, work on six characters at once. So reducing that down to one character was, was a big change. It was very different than most RPGs at the time. Uh, there were some kind of like RPG light ish games. You, if you want to call like Zelda, a, an, a light RPG, it doesn't really have the same kind of stats that a, that a intense RPG has. Uh, but, uh, but it, it has RPG elements and it's kind of real time. And so I think that, that, um, you know, that was definitely an influence. But one of the biggest things is that the, when you were doing these kind of party games or whatever, or even if it was a single player, single character that you were working on, a lot of them were kind of cryptic in the way that they worked. It was like, okay, well, you have to unsheathe your shield. I mean, your, your sword by, <laughs> yeah. by like pressing one button and then choose which stance you're in by another thing. And then the, and we wanted to get rid of all of these ridiculous uh, things where it was like bags in bags and like all of these kind of like bizarre concepts that made the interface and playability of the game just slow down into like obscure commands. It felt like, you know, it, you had to like, I have to alt G and then a T and then a Q to get my sword going. And then, and then I have to click and then decide what kind of click I'm going to do. And then, you know, it was just like, it was like, it, it was tedious to do anything to like, yeah, just yeah. smack on a monster. And one of the games that we were playing at the time was this game, uh, NHL 93. 
in 94, which were superb games on the Genesis, uh, these sports games. And one of the things that we liked about it the most was that uh, the philosophy of like, I put the cartridge in, I, I press a button and I'm skating. Yeah. Like within two clicks, I'm <laughs> skating and I'm kicking butt and I'm, I'm, you know, and I'm having a good time. Mm. And so we wanted that same kind of philosophy throughout the entire experience where it's like, I want to get rid of all of these layers of complexity and I want to simplify it. So it's just, I click to do things. I, I click to quickly get in the game. Yeah. I don't have to answer 67 questions on the history of my character and create a backstory to get into the game. I click, I want warrior. <laughs> Let me start smacking monsters. And so that, that was kind of the idea that we wanted all along was to get you right in and get yeah. the action happening as soon as possible. And, uh, and that was kind of the design philosophy from the get go is to go away from RPGs were stuck in mm. not only multi multi uh, character things, but also were not action oriented enough. We're not quick enough. We had too many layers of of complexity that just were unnecessary and not really fun. Oh, I love that. I, uh, would you agree then, David, that your previous work on the console market was a uh, an influence on your on Diablo? Then would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And then, well, most PC games before that, maybe, you know, the people didn't have that past experience in the other kind of areas, possibly. So maybe that's one reason. Um, do you have a personal favorite character and class and weapon within the Diablo universe? It can be with any game. It doesn't have to be the first Diablo. Uh, tough question. That is a tough question. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I'm probably still, I think the, the most fun I have is, is with the barbarian. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Necro's pretty close and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and so there, there, there's quite a bit, but, uh, favorite item probably, you know, it's Sivurb's cudgel, which it's named after me. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> good, good. <laughs> Oh, right. Yeah, good answers. <laughs> um, I, I really want to ask you about the secret cow level, uh, which yeah. has become one of the biggest. Ga- well, it became such a big sort of weird game in folklore. How exactly did it start? Could you just go into a little bit of detail about it? Because such an f- interesting story. Yeah. Uh, so, um, in Diablo One, uh, this was just early in the internet times, and. Uh, and there were kind of rumors, uh, these just completely false rumors that there are these cows in Diablo one. They, they, like, if you clicked on them a certain amount of times, like it, there were like secrets and stuff in all sorts of games. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of like you're finding all these little cheat codes and secrets and stuff were very, very popular things. But there was this rumor going around that if you clicked on them like a hundred and, you know, like, I don't know, whatever, a thousand times or something <laughs> like that, then you get to go to the secret cow level when it was totally false. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, it's somehow this thing, like, spread like wildfire and everybody was, like, trying to get to the secret cow level and how do you get to the, how do you get to it and all this stuff. So, in the second game, we decided, <laughs> let's just put the secret cow level in. Yeah. Because That'll be funny. Uh, not only do we want a secret, but because we didn't have enough secrets in the first one, we felt, but also we thought it'd be really fun yeah. to, to, uh, to, to, as a 
homage to this wicked rumor <laughs> to, to make it a reality. And we thought it was just really kind of a funny joke. And, uh, and so then we did like, we had a really good time coming up with the way that we were going to get, uh, get to the cow level. <laughs> and like, Wirt was this character in Diablo one and nobody liked him. He was kind of a little jerk. And so like when we destroyed Tristram and you could find Wirt's leg and making that part of the cow level, it's just like, it was all kind of like <laughs> things that we, we loved to, to, uh, kind of, uh, design and it was it was just kind of a fun thing so the cow level came about just simply because of this false rumor yeah. that there would be a cow level and we thought it would be really funny if people go oh yeah i'm not gonna fall for the cow level <laughs> thing again and then when there really is a cow level that's and, great and the cow level too and then since then i've you know i've stuck with the theme and kept cow levels in all my games so. <laughs> i mean so i don't know where do you have any idea where the rumor started from no i don't i have no idea i, I mean you know, all, all of our employees would scour the boards and stuff or whatever. And I, I remember reading some stuff about it, but I don't remember exactly where it originated. Mad. It's just crazy thinking about how many people must have been clicking on the cows in the first game and getting nowhere. Must have. Yeah. Bizarre yeah. thought, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's oh. hilarious. Um, Diablo 2, uh, brilliant. I mean, it carried on where the original left off. Um, was it always a decision to make a sequel? How, what was the, was that always in the back of your mind to carry on the series? And how do you try and make this game improve on the original? I know it wasn't an easy task, but what, what, what was behind that game then? Um, well, uh, you know, there was never a plan to do a sequel, yeah. uh, simply because we were just, I was like, if we can even get this game made, <laughs> yeah. uh, that'd be amazing. And if it sells a couple copies, you know, <laughs> maybe yeah. then, maybe someday we'll be able to, call ourselves a real development company. So the, uh, you know, it, it was never really our intent that we were going to make, you know, I had a long series planned out or anything like that. It was, mm-hmm. it was always just like, well, let's make Diablo one and, and hope and pray that it works out. And obviously we were, uh, pretty devastated, uh, that within a few months that the game became so, hackable yeah uh and one of the things that never really occurred to us is that we knew that there would be hacking and it was like okay well people are gonna cheat or whatever but it's not really that big of a deal because it's gonna be a small percentage of the population it's not really it's not really that big of a deal um and then we completely forgot about the fact well the hackers the cheaters can just upload their cheat and then everybody can cheat like mm. we didn't, we didn't like, oh my God, they can just create a website where people can download this thing or direct them to a website where they're all of a sudden everybody's <laughs> cheating. It's like, oh my God, we didn't even think of that. Yeah. Uh, and so it just became rampant, right? It was, just, everybody was cheating. It was, it was, it was, it was tough. Anyway, so we said after Diablo one, we were like, there was a bunch of stuff that we didn't like about Diablo one that we wanted to change and make mm. better. Uh, but the number one motivation was, um, you know, it, it sold well enough. We got, you know, it, it went really, it, things went really well. And so everybody wanted us to make a second version. It, we were kind of burnt out and it took us a couple months to get, uh, get our lives back together. And then, uh, and then we decided to, you know, we kind of fiddled around with a few other ideas for about 10 minutes and then decided, yeah, we're going to make a sequel. And, uh, but the number one thing, you know, there are a couple of things that we didn't like about Diablo one. 
number one was we're going to try and fix the cheating as much as possible. And the only way that we're going to do that is to convert the game from peer to peer to client server and control the servers. And that was the only way that it was going to, that that was going to happen. So that, that was really a giant motivation. Then there are other things that we didn't like about it. It was like, well, uh, I didn't really like people didn't like all the loading screens. And I was like, okay, well, let me think about how to do this. Okay. Now I've come up with a way that we can make it so that there will be no loading screens. And, uh, and then it was like, it was really sucked to have to walk across the town back and forth, especially out to the witch Mm. and stuff like that. So let's put it running. Mm. And like, you know, all of these things kept kind of growing and growing out of uh, some of the things that we didn't like about Diablo one that we felt could be improved and improve the experience. And then uh, and so that's really kind of the basis for where we decided to go after Diablo one. And uh, and so the intent to do one was very early after we had finished the first one and had some success and a little bit of downtime. And then, uh, and then we that that was our focus for the next several years. Mm. And good on you, good on you. Um, what are your views on Diablo Three? Uh, what do you think about that game? Uh, well, it wasn't the game that I, you know, had designed or worked on yeah. at Blizzard North. Uh, uh, but you know, I thought that it was a fine game, and it became quite good after the, uh, especially after the expansion or whatever, and some of the changes that they made. Uh, you know, it had a bit of a rough start, I think, uh, and it's a shame because they spent a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of people dedicated a big portion of their careers yeah. to that game. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, you know, overall, I thought that it got kind of a, a bad rap, a worse rap than maybe than it actually is. Yeah. And, uh, but I think that a lot of people have come to like the game quite a bit, especially post, uh, the, the expansion and some of the changes that they made to, Things like real money auction house and stuff like that. Fair enough. Um, out of the three Diablo games, or the, the first two really, is there one you personally have the biggest connection with? Which which is the definitive game in the series in your in your view? And how how do you reflect back at your time working on uh, Diablo's the, the, one of the first two games? Well, looking back on working on them, I have nothing but fond memories. Yeah. In a lot of ways, you know, I that that's all I ever want wanted to do, and <laughs> and you know that that I wanted to work on Diablo forever, really. Uh, yeah. And so I had really, re- I still do have very very fond memories of that. Uh, and uh, asking to choose a favorite is a little bit like asking what's your favorite child. Sure. You know, it's the uh, I think both of them shine in different ways, and uh, and. You know, to be able to create my dream game that I had worked on for like whatever, uh, uh, you know, since I was 16, uh, that was just such an amazing opportunity with Diablo one. And I was super proud of the way that it came out and to kind of like break all of these barriers where it was like you could play with people over the Internet right out of the box and you didn't need a service or anything like that. And, uh, you know, having uh, this real time random generated world or whatever was amazing and it's and then with diablo 2 i felt that we like really kicked it up a notch and i loved all the different classes and we you know the 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 technology was so much better and the client server model and like all these things that i thought that uh were just so much better than the were improvements on diablo 1 yeah and so uh you know i think that does it it didn't exactly have the same atmosphere is Diablo 1 Diablo 2 I didn't think did mm-hmm. uh but that's okay it just makes it different and so I, I think I 
I largely prefer the dark, gritty atmosphere of Diablo 1 to Diablo 2, even though a lot of people consider Diablo 2 dark and gritty. Uh, but I think Diablo 1's even darker. And, uh, and so I prefer that the most. Uh, but I think that overall, uh, you know, I think that Diablo 2 is probably a better game than Diablo 1. Fair enough. Um, would you ever like to see Diablo 4? Released and there's you know, there's always rumours now and then and would would it ever be a project that you could ever see yourself being involved in or do you reckon that ship is uh, sailed now? Uh, yes, I would love to see a Diablo four. I, I can pretty much guarantee we're going to see a Diablo four. Diablo three selling too well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> too much money for them not to be a Diablo four. Yeah. Uh, so you know, Blizzard is in the in the <laughs> business to make money and yeah. that seems like it would make money. So, uh, uh yeah, I, I think that Diablo four will happen when it'll happen. If they're working on it, I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I would imagine it's going to happen. Um, as for whether or not I work on it. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Uh, I'd be, you know, I think that, uh, going back to blizzard someday is something that, uh, that blizzard and I have talked about in the oh. past, you know, it's never really been the right time for either one of us, uh, but uh, maybe the stars will align and I'll go back and, and work there someday. Oh, good on you, David. Um, again, a bit of a personal question, but can you explain why did you end up leaving Blizzard North? Because you, you obviously set up the company. It, it, you know, it took a few years, but it turned into one of the most respected developers in the world. Why Was it a tough decision to leave? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was very tough. Uh, but, uh, we felt like the, the owners of the company, uh, so we had been kind of through blizzard had been kind of through a, a little bit of a rough patch yeah. where, uh, the, uh, Davidson and associates, which was the original owners of, of blizzard and yeah. blizzard North, uh, they ended up selling the company to this uh, company called CUC. And CUC also bought uh, Sierra Online at the same time. Yeah. So they bought Sierra Online and Davidson Associates, which Sierra Online at the time was like the biggest publisher and uh, number one PC publisher. And then the edu- Davidson was number one educational mm. PC gaming company. So uh, – they kind of bought both of these at the same time. And then CUC ended up uh, merging with this other company called HFS. And then they changed their name to Sendent. And Sendent became one of the biggest, most corrupted companies in the history of Wall Street. <laughs> and uh, and they got busted. It was basically, I, I don't know if you've heard of like the Enron of the yes. 90s, basically. It, yes, yes, it was yes. The, the Enron of the 90s was Sendent. Uh, and uh, it's still for a long time. It may not be the case anymore, but for the long time, for 20 plus years, it had the biggest single sell off of a single stock in history in one day wow. uh, where their the stock went from like 46 to six or something like that. So uh, anyway, it was uh, it was complete. It was, all their numbers were completely fabricated. And so the, uh, it was, you know, they were caught, people went to jail. Like, I mean, it was, it was bad stuff or whatever. Anyway, out of the ashes of that, they sold the company to this French company, this French utilities company, this French utilities company called Vivendi. Uh, they wanted to go, go away from being a utilities company and into a communications company. So they started buying up all sorts of 
communication things all over the world uh, and racked up the biggest debt of any company in the history of European businesses <laughs> and uh, and bought uh, Blizzard during this, you know, fire sale, basically, wow. from CUC stuff and or for them sending stuff. And uh, and uh, so we became part of Vivendi. Now, Vivendi then kicked out the CEO for running up all this debt and the company wasn't getting turned around. And uh, and they started selling off all sorts of pieces. Mm. And so, like, the ownership for Blizzard was, like, uh, above us was just this complete disaster wow. for a long time, right? And uh, and it made us very nervous, and we had no control or fate or say over anything that was going on. Mm. And uh, and so we were having a lot of troubles and a lot of arguments with the the, you know, owners, because they didn't even, like, these utility guys, like, they didn't even, they were, like, they were you know, regular businessmen, they were yeah. business businessmen. Like they were, they were, you know, MBA kind of guys that were just, you know, looking at numbers and stuff and comparing us to making soup cans. Right. You know, it yeah. did like, cool. we don't, didn't mean anything to them. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it was a, uh, it was a very difficult time. Mm. And eventually we felt like, uh, we weren't going to, you know, we couldn't deal with the the situation anymore. It was mm-hmm. affecting us personally, and and we were having big fights and problems. And we tried to resolve them for several years. And uh, and sorry, a fire <laughs> truck just went by. That's all right. Yeah, the fire uh, sale's gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so the uh, for years we tried to resolve this situation, uh, but in the end, we just felt like we couldn't do this anymore yeah. and uh, we couldn't uh, be in the situation we were anymore. It was too much of an impact on our daily lives. And my life was just, my life wasn't about making Diablo. It was fighting this parent yeah. company and that's <sighs> no way to live really. You know, I didn't, that's not what I wanted to, of out of my life or, you know, exactly what I want to do with my career. And so uh, I decided it was just time for us to move on. I mean, that's such a shame because obviously Blizzard North closed soon after you left and, I guess, do you look back with a bit of sadness in a way, how it all kind of finished up? With, with oh, absolutely. I'm, yeah. I'm still distraught. Yeah, no, <laughs> you it's... know, I, mainly because, I mean, looking back now, and again, in hindsight, it's 2020 or whatever, you look back and it's like, well, it turned out that Vivendi ended up, you know, keeping it together and mm. like, you know, ended up working out their differences after still several more, you know, tough years with Blizzard. Uh, and eventually, you know, you know, World of Warcraft sure does heal a lot of things. Oh, but, yeah, the, of course, uh, yeah. uh, uh, you know, eventually Vivendi became okay, I think. Like, they ended up understanding Blizzard and understanding video games and, like, and became decent owners. Mm. Uh, but uh, for a long time, it was just really tough, right? And it was just really tough to even... Uh, deal with the situation. And again, you know, when you're, when your day to day life is so stressful and so you're so unhappy, like some point you just, you got to do stuff for yourself. Of course. And you're trying to create video games. You need creativity. You don't want the atmosphere at the top trickling down. It's going to affect everyone, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, it's a shame, isn't it? Because Blizzard North, you had such a huge, you built such a huge company with such a great reputation. It, oh, I, I feel sorry for you, David, really. But, but yeah, yeah, hey, it's tough. 
But you know, you, you moved on and and you got Grey Beard Games now, which we're going to talk about very soon. Before I talk about that, would you say that Blizzard North and Blizzard Entertainment had a good working relationship? And would you would you ever you kind of answered already actually? Would you ever like to create games with Blizzard Entertainment in the future? Yeah, I thought that we had a great relationship. Mm. Uh, we got along really well. Um, I mean, as well as any two groups that are, you know, I think that in any company where you're, you know, one group is in one building and one group's in another building, <laughs> yeah. like it's always building A versus building B a little bit underneath. But, uh, yeah. but together, I mean, we didn't really have any kind of big fights between us or anything like that. We agreed on most of the things. We discussed issues. We always brought, any kind of issues we had to the forefront and mm. dealt with them. Sometimes I wasn't always very good about dealing with them, but I think that largely, uh, you know, I think that, that we did, uh, we did a good job at communicating and trying to work out any kind of differences that we had. And mm. again, th- these were pretty minor things that weren't really reasons that, you know, Blizzard North fell apart or anything like that. It had nothing to do with them and yeah. had everything to do with ourselves and Vivendi. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, how, how soon after you left Blizzard North did you start Greybeard Games and how exactly did this company start and get its, get its name up? I love, love the name, by the way. Oh, thanks. Uh, well, after Greybeard Games, I, I mean, I'm sorry, after <laughs> Blizzard North, I, uh, we left and I made, uh, Flagship Studios, uh, mm-hmm. where we made Hellgate London. And then, uh, after that, then I went to a company called Gazillion Entertainment with my friend, John Romero. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, uh, John w- had made this game. He was made this game company called Slipgate Ironworks. And, uh, Gazillion was kind of the parent company and I was going to make my own, uh, thing there. And, uh, eventually, uh, I became CEO of Gazillion. We made a game called Marvel Heroes. Mm. And, uh, and, but, you know, again, I, I, I was like, I've been businessman, businessman, businessman. Like, <laughs> I, this keeps happening to me. I keep getting promoted, uh, like, I was president of Blizzard <laughs> North. And then I'm, you know, I, I'm one of the chief executives of, of, uh, of flagship studios. And then I'm like, okay, I, I just want to work on games again. So yeah. I like, signed up to be the creative director on Marvel heroes. And then I'm CEO of the company, which was like big company. And, uh, and like, it just kept, it keeps happening to me anyway. So I, after working on Marvel heroes for a while and being CEO for several years and stuff, I decided, look, this isn't really for me Hmm. anymore. I, I want to, I didn't, when I was a kid, my dream wasn't, Oh, someday I want to be CEO of these companies. <laughs> I want to make video games. Mm. Right. And, uh, and it, 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 that's what makes me happy. And that's where I, I flourish the most. And, uh, I want to get back to actually being programming and doing the things that I, that I love. And, uh, and so I left gazillion and I started Greybeard games, a little indie studio, uh, where, uh, I'm working on it lurks below. Yeah. And, it was, it's kind of an extreme to go from being CEO to doing what I'm doing, which was the idea was I'm going to form a small team, three to five people. And we're going to make a little indie title and I'm going to be intimately involved in the entire thing. And then as I started working, I had left and doing some research and I started talking to some of my friends who were kind of doing smaller products and stuff like that. And I started realizing, Hey, they're doing it with, with just a few people or whatever. And so 
you know, maybe five is too many. Maybe it's going to be two or three. Yeah. And, uh, and then I started working on it and I started doing art and I started doing the programming and things like that. And I was like, you know what? I, I think I can do this entire thing by myself. That's amazing. <laughs> and, uh, and cause I, I, I'm very confident in my music abilities. I've been playing music piano yeah. since I was six and, uh, and so, and I still play and I nice. play a bunch of inst- different instruments and I was like, I was in marching band in high school and college <laughs> and like, you know, so the music part I, I was pretty confident in. and then art wise, not that, not super confident, but I was like, well, if I make the pixels big enough, maybe it'll look okay. <laughs> and, uh, and so going with the pixel art game and, and making the pixels fairly big and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think I can do this or whatever. So the programming was no problem. The music was no problem. So it was really whether or not I could do the art and the design wasn't really a problem. So that, uh, you know, it was like, and after a little while, I think I gained enough confidence. And now I'm pretty good at my, my art abilities definitely yeah. improved after doing pixel art for whatever, you know, a year and a half or two years now. It's, uh, it, it you know, you tend to improve when you're doing it almost every day. Well, I, I've had a look at the, 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 the uh the, the images of it lurks below and the website is absolutely incredible it looks really classy sort of retro themed i'd call it what you call it action rpg i mean can you go into yeah, a bit more is, detail it's about it it's basically diablo from the side yeah uh it is uh it is you know randomly generated world and dungeon uh randomly generated items uh different character classes from you got warrior and necro and bard and wizard and you know so they are it's very much like diablo it's a you know single rpg lots of stats things like that that have an impact uh it's got ranged weapons and melee weapons and all these kind of things so it's it's a uh it's very much a diablo-like experience but it's got a little bit of terraria-esque type things where it's like kind of that same viewpoint from the side. Mm. There's a lot of like uh, digging and crafting and things like that in mm. the game as well. So uh, it's, uh, but it's got things like, you know, it's got rune words and <laughs> a lot of like gemming and things like that, uh, that is very kind of typical of uh, of my Diablo creations. So if there are any, any listeners out there who love your Diablo, this should be the title for them as well. This is absolutely. We, we, yeah. And it's yeah. an early, it's an early access right now on steam. You oh, can yeah. buy it. Uh, and so if you want to, I mean, it's not done yet. It is early access, but, but there's quite a bit of content. There are several, I would, I would, I'm going to say quite a few because it is actually quite a few, uh, people in the, uh, the community now that, uh, have, you know, 300 plus hours of play already on it. So, uh, <laughs> uh, it is, uh, you know, it's addictive yeah. and, uh, people are having a really good time and, uh, there's plenty of content there. Love that. What can, can I ask? What does lurk below? Is that a bit of a secret? Well, it, <laughs> it. <laughs> it's a great name. Sounds like a horror film. That title. I yeah, love it. It's, it's got a definite horror kind of vibe to it. Love it. Is, is there going to be any secret cower levels? Can you reveal that? <laughs> of course. Oh, is there really? absolutely excellent i mean this sounds right up my alley i'm gonna be checking this game out don't you worry about it It looks excellent you've got a website is that right david for this what's that you've got a website for the game 
Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. You can go to Steam to get it, and, yeah. and just look at it lurks below on Steam. And then also my Graybeard Games, that's gray with an A. Yeah. Graybeard Games uh, website has links to it, and uh, and has a little. I think on my Graybeard Games website right now, it's got uh, it lurks below. It has uh, this free uh, uh, puzzle game I made as a game jam. Nice. Uh, I called the old man game jam where I like <laughs> I videoed the entire development. I let everybody look at my code and my creation process oh, wow. and stuff. All the videos are on YouTube, but you can download the game for free. It's a, a pick cross game. I don't know if you even know what those are, but uh, uh, it's basically like a little number puzzle where you create a picture. You oh, I've heard of them. I've heard of them. Yeah. 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 So uh, it's a pick cross game that I made in 30 hours. Wow. And, uh, and, uh, then, uh, also is the original design document for Diablo is on the Oof. website as well. A link to that. So, wow. There's lots of treats there. I mean, when do you hope to get it lurks below release? Have you got a date in mind and what platforms do you hope it will come on? You mentioned Steam earlier. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, it's PC uh, only at this yeah. moment, but eventually, you know, I would like to, uh, to bring it to all sorts of different platforms. I hope to, uh, to do not only Mac and Linux, but also to uh, to break out and do console things as yeah, well. Awesome. Uh, but it all depends on how much support I get and how how successful the title is and stuff like that. Because I'm I'm doing it all by myself and I'm self funding the whole thing. So uh, you know, <laughs> it, like it, if it like sells hardly any copies, then <laughs> I'll have to <laughs> probably go get a job somewhere. Oh, so. no. <laughs> I mean, wow! I mean, it must be really weird working. On your own, on your own project, no one to bounce ideas off. But I suppose it's your project. You can do exactly what you want. It must be an unusual. Has it ever happened before in your career? Just you working on one game? No. Uh, I mean, at the very beginning of my career, uh, like I said, I was the only person on super high impact football. Mm-hmm. But that, but I wasn't. That wasn't doing design. I was just converting a game <laughs> machine, right? So uh, it is the only time that's been only myself. Uh, but that's not really all that fair. Um, one of the experiences that I had uh, with uh, with Marvel Heroes was that when the game came out, it was not well received. It was not very good. It was uh-huh. buggy and it had all sorts of issues and stuff like that. Uh, and again, like I had become CEO at the time. I wasn't really working on the project day to day. I yeah. couldn't. I had to like work on saving the company and all <laughs> sorts of problems. Uh, and so... Uh, but one of the things that I decided to do when when it came out is I said, well, let's let's open it up. Let's open up the game. It, let's pull back the curtain. Let's yeah. be completely honest with everybody. We're going to get out there and we're going to let anybody in the company can post on the forums, can communicate with the community, mm. can get feedback, et cetera, et cetera. And let's work together with our community to make this thing better. And so. We took Marvel Heroes, which got a Metacritic of a terrible 58. Whoa, yeah. And changed it into an 82 a year later. Wow, that's a huge jump. Yeah, and it was mainly because of our interaction with the community. I started streaming the game on Twitch. Mm. I started talking, playing the game every day and talking with the community and working together to improve the product. Uh, and that experience was so wonderful that I decided that that's one of the reasons that I wanted to do this full time. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's kind of the philosophy that I have with it lurks below. I'm getting a lot. I'm streaming the game several days a week. 
I, uh, you know, I'm constantly interacting with the community in yeah. Discord and on the Steam forums. I like get feedback from people. I run ideas by them. My wife is super valuable when it comes to this. She's a big gamer as well. She worked as a programmer at Blizzard North. Uh, and, uh, so I run all sorts of ideas by her and whatnot. So I do have a little bit of a sounding board at the same time. I am like down in my office, you know, in the basement of my house and I'm (laughs) working away or whatever. And I was working away for whatever, a little over a year. And I was, it was kind of sketchy as to whether or not I was doing like, you know, uh, is this an all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy kind yeah. of thing? Or is it <laughs> yeah. if I'm completely insane here or is this actually something kind of fun? And, uh, and so to get it out there and, 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 and pe- get it well received and get some feedback from the community and make changes based on the feedback and have a, kind of an interactive experience where, uh, that, that's one of the reasons I want to do this early access is to have this experience with the community and build something great together. Love that. I mean, Oh, that's brilliant. I can't, you said it brilliantly, David. I can't wait to play this game now. <laughs> you sold it to me, definitely. Um, I've got a few random questions, because I know you're busy, but we've sort of got, got about three or four random questions left. If sure, you, no problem. If you could be transported into any of your video games and live there for a day, which game would you choose and why? <laughs> uh... I'm not sure I want to go to any of my video games. They're <laughs> they're all pretty pretty terrible places. There, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I guess maybe like if you count Quarterback Club as one of mine, <laughs> yeah. being a sports Just, star. I guess that, <laughs> even though I can't play sports, I'm terrible at sports. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's probably I'm the safest place. One, I'm, I'm blind in one eye, so I only I have no depth perception. So I'm <laughs> really terrible at sports. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know, I think that. Uh, that 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 at least is a, a semi happy place, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Versus basically hell on earth on all the rest of my titles. I know. Yeah, actually, you have made some quite bleak games. Actually, <laughs> um, another bit of random question: If you could travel back in time and work on any video game, maybe a game you loved growing up, for example, which game would you have loved to be involved in? Uh. I think there's oh, that's tough, uh, but I would say maybe Ultima Four, yeah, or Doom. Oh yeah, both classics. Both classics. I think those those uh, in particular are are ones. Well, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no I, the only other choice that I'm on the fence with would be maybe the original Pokemon. Oh wow, well, I mean that is very different games, aren't they? But yeah. Good answers. I love Pokemon. I'm a huge Pokemon fan. <laughs> I, I do as well. It's, it's one of my guilty pleasures, so I love Pokemon as well. <laughs> um, is there any video games you started work on, whether it was your own projects or working at um, Iguana, for example? Is there any games you started working on, but they never got released for any reason? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I started working on quite a few games that, that have, haven't gone anywhere. Oh, and right. did, never saw the light of day. When we were working on a, a new title at Blizzard North, uh, as well, uh, before we left. Um, so that was kind of, I mean, we had nicknamed it quote unquote star blow, uh, but it was like basically a space Diablo styled game. Wow. And, uh, anyway, that was, I, I thought that had promise. That was probably one of the only ones I ever worked on that I thought that had the most promise, but never saw the light of day. Would you think there's any chance you could sort of resurrect that title? Is that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Someday I might. I mean, there were some ideas from that that I've used in all sorts of things. There are ideas that I used from our design of Diablo 3, which was an MMO, uh, 
but an MMO, not like an MMO like World of Warcraft, wow. but an MMO as in massive multiplayer game. But it was still Diablo. So they were like, yeah. you know, it's more like Path of Exile where there are lots of people playing in the same. But the, the, it was different than Path of Exile because there are lots of people in the individual zones and stuff. So, uh, uh, you know, I think that those like some of those ideas I would really like to see come to light someday as uh, those, those two in particular. Oh, but I have probably eight games I want to work on, so I don't know if I'll ever get to them or not. So uh, it, you know, I think that I have more ideas than I do have time. Oh, good on you. Well, know, it yeah. only it takes several years to make a game, so yeah. I don't have a few more a few more of these in me. I'm you know I'm over fifty now, so wow. I they, <laughs> you know it's not going to be all that long before I I'm going to retire. I don't know whatever in ten to fifteen years or something like that. So uh, you know I only have what maybe four more games in me. Oh, well, I'm, I'll be. Yeah, I can't wait to see what you produce in the future. Honestly, I'm, you know, you made some. Huge I say classics. that, but you know, I'm also the kind of person that may never retire. So I'm, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, it's still a long ways off. We'll see. <laughs> oh, good on you. Um, have you mentioned some games already? Games that you loved. Is there any other games that you particularly? What are your favorite games of all time? If you could choose, maybe three. That's another tough question. You might have mentioned them already. To be fair. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think that uh, Pokemon mm. uh, is definitely. Right up there, uh, Ultima for Doom, uh, and then probably EverQuest. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is definitely one of my, I, I played that game, I think, more hours than any other game. Oh, really? Uh, and, uh, then probably, uh, Angband, uh, which is, uh, uh, you know, kind of the, the inspiration for Diablo. Good stuff. Stuff. How about your favorite Blizzard Entertainment game? What would you say that would be? Well, I played. I don't like my own games, so it's not really. That's not a good question. Yeah, yeah, because I because I uh, I tend to be super critical of my own stuff rather than enjoying it. Uh, And uh, uh, but I I would say the game I played the most hours of was World of Warcraft. I played ungodly amount of hours of that. Yeah, no, I've played it as well. It's, it's addictive, isn't it? It sucks you in that game. Super addictive. It's, it's a great is. game. Um, it's been a real pleasure, David. I've got one final question, another random one, just to, to say goodbye. But thank you so much. Um, I ask all my guests this. If you could share a few drinks with any video game character, who would you choose and why? Video game character? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 I think that... Uh, I would like to have a, a drink with Deckard Kane. Ah, <laughs> it's a good answer. I want to know. I want to know a little bit more about that world and about his history and yeah. about how he came into the be the position that he's in and stuff. You know, I'd love to hear some tales. So that's, I think, probably probably the one I would love that's the a, most. Wow, that's a brilliant answer. Look, David, you're, you've been a real pleasure to talk to. It's, it's a genuine honor to have you on Arcade Attack and. I really wish it looks below luck. Um, hopefully Thank we can you. chat again in the future sometime. Yeah, absolutely. This was really fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else, you can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK, at Keith Barlow 82 and at Arcade underscore Adriano. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Arcade Attack UK. Please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness, interviews, reviews, features, top 10, etc. And you can also find all our previous podcasts there. 
Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes, where you can also leave us a review and a rating, which we would really, really appreciate. So until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.